2.12. Paul in Troas. Okay, as you understand, we are, we are studying especially the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles through the Lord and what God did through the Apostles. And there we read in Acts chapter 20, verses 1 to 12. After the uproar had ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and when he had exhorted them and taken his leave of them, he left to go to Macedonia. When he had gone through those districts and had given them much exhortation, he came to Greece. And there he sent three, uh, spent three months. And when a plot was formed against him by the Jews, as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. And he was accompanied by Sopater of Berea, the son of Phrius, and by Aristarchus and Secundus of the Thessalonians, and Gaius of Derby and Timothy and Tychus and Trophimus of Asia. But these had gone on ahead, were waiting for us at Troas. We sailed from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came to them at Troas within five days, and there we stayed seven days. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day. And he prolonged his message until midnight. There were many lambs in the upper room where we were gathered together. And there was a young man named Eutychus sitting on the windowsill, sinking into a deep sleep, as Paul kept on talking, he was overcome by sleep and fell down from the third floor and was picked up dead. But Paul went down and fell upon him. And after embracing him, he said, Do not be troubled, for his life is in him. When he had gone up, gone back up, and had broken the bread and eaten, he talked with them a long while until daybreak, and then left. They took away the boy alive and were greatly comforted. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank the Lord for your wonderful gospel that was brought, O oh Lord, through you um, disciples, and especially through Paul, to Germany, Lord, or to Europe, and to all these countries, Lord. I thank you that your gospel also reached my heart, Lord, and that you gave me new life, Lord Jesus. It's such a joy to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because what you have done, Lord, is so amazing. Hallelujah. I thank you for this assembly and I pray this morning that your spirit might rest upon this meeting. Lord, give grace to speak your word. Give grace to listen to your word. And also I pray give grace to act upon your word in the precious and wonderful name 
of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, at the end of chapter 19, we read something. There was an uproar in Ephesus. Paul, he was preaching the gospel. And people understood that the gospel of Jesus Christ cancels out all the other gods. There is no other God than the God of Israel, the God revealed in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And Paul made it very clear. And these people in Ephesus, they were very agitated. And there was a tumult. And they were all screaming, Great is the Diana. Or the Greeks said it differently. Great is Antifa. Or what is it? No, I have to, I have to read it very clear, clearly. Now you, you Greek, you know what the goddess was called there. Diana is the Greek word, the Latin word. Artemis. Great is the Artemis. And so because she was fallen from heaven, that means the stature, that's what they believe. Now Paul was very clear in that. And he didn't yield to that what... Um, New evangelicalism preaches and says that said in missionaries, if you go into a country where the gospel never been preached, you must go first and um, familiarize yourself with the local uh, religion and then preach the gospel. Now that's what I call syncretism. And Paul was very, very against it. Paul could not synchronize anything of the gospel with the preaching or with the teaching of the Ephesians of the heathen. Paul didn't do it because the gospel of Jesus Christ is very clearly. And we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the verses 14 or 15 to 16. Of what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Hallelujah. Whose people are we? God's people. Amen. Do you understand it? And it came to me also very clear as our dear brother elaborated on that, what Jesus did. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21, every Christian should know it by heart. Do you know it by heart? For he made him who had no sin, sin for us, that we might become the righteousness in God, or for God, before God. That's wonderful. Now we see here, that's what God has done. He said, these are my people, I will live amongst them. Now the town, town clerks, he said, men of Ephesus. And there was a whole thing when the tumult was on there. 
What man is there after all who does not know the city of the Ephesians is a guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of the image which fell down from heaven. Now listen, anything that fell down from heaven is suspicious. Anything that fell down from heaven is suspicious. How can you say that? Just very simple. I know of someone who fell from heaven. Do you know who it was? There was someone who fell from heaven. And people think, oh, that's something great. And what the Ephesians refer to, that the statue fell from heaven. Might have been a meteorite or something like that. And then he shaped it as they were, and as she was. Now remember, everything that fell down from heaven is suspicious. The Bible speaks in Isaiah chapter 14, 12. Everybody knows that, don't you? How have you been fallen from heaven, O morning star and sun of the dawn? You have been cut down to the earth. You have weakened the nations. Paul saw very clearly this is not of God. Now perhaps the new evangelicalism, they said we must find some connections to the religion. Paul didn't see any connection here with this Diana in Latin or Artemis in Greek with Jesus. There's no connection. Now, a very interesting, Islam is trying to sneak up to Jesus. Have you realized that? They're trying to sneak up to Jesus. And I saw a few years ago in the city when I was with my dear brother James, on the table of the Muslims, a sign, Jesus is the beloved prophet of the Quran. No, he is not. There is no similarity with Jesus and Mohammed. As there is any similarity or was any similarity between, between Jesus and Barabbas. Jesus is the life giver. Barabbas was a murderer. Do you understand what I'm preaching this morning? Do you understand? And that's exactly the same. There is no way that Jesus could be compared with Mohammed or vice versa, Mohammed with Jesus. Jesus is the life giver. And Mohammed, he brought his message around with a sword. Now the gospel triumphs over all gods. Hallelujah. That's what these, Athenians, these Ephesians understood. Wherever Paul was preaching, he was declaring that all the gods of the heathen is nothing. And so it was, and I recently saw it in the news, and very interesting. And I must say, God bless these people. At the news, there was a report from Kimberley's. 
you know where the Kimberleys are? You Australians. And they're all the Aborigines. And some Pentecost was especially announced, Pentecostal missionaries, they were preaching there. And they had a big bonfire. And all the utensils of the Aborigines uh, um, worship things they had were all burned. And these people, you always thought, well, what a pity. Now all these things of their so-called celebrations they do, you know, their smoke celebration, all the satanic thing. Now, praise the Lord, these people, these aborigines received the Lord Jesus and cleaned out with all the garbage. Amen? That's so important. That's so important. And we see here, wherever the gospel was being preached, people cleaned out and they made a big fire. And that's what it did there in the Kimberleys. And I said, may the Lord bless these Pentecostal missionaries that they might preach the gospel and people might get saved in a wonderful way. Now, what is actually syncretism? That is something what we see so often in churches. Syncretism. Now, I think you all, the older Australians, you know the old cast, the first perhaps Holdens who came out. They had a gearbox, perhaps that was not synchronized. What is synchronization? That is finding a connection. Now, you could tell whether a gearbox was synchronized or not. That meant in the olden days, I think only boys understand it. Only men would understand it. That means when you were driving in gear number three and you want to go onto gear number two, you had to double clutch in order that the speed of the gearbox rod and the motor shaft came into the same um, turnaround. So then you could shift the gear smoothly. But if you didn't do the double clutching, you know what I mean, all the boys understand what it is. If you wouldn't do it, then all of a sudden, you hear the noise from the gearbox. And that's why they came up with synchrone rings in the gearbox. I know what I'm talking about. And these made it so that you could shift down from gear three onto gear two without any scratching noise of the gearbox. Now we have automatic, that's, that's easy. You sit in the car and put the foot on the accelerator and off you go. But in those days it wasn't. So that is synchronism. In autumn, and we see very much of that. Have you ever heard about a man so-called Father Christmas? Anyone heard of this? I had a time where people, Christians, got offended if you said something against Father Christmas. Yes, they got offended, sure. 
They got offended. The same thing, the syncretism of Easter Bunny. Have you heard about that? I have never read anything when Jesus rose again, there was an Easter Bunny. Neither have I heard anything when Jesus was born that there was a Father Christmas. That's all things that have been synchronized into Christianity and have nothing, nothing, nothing to do. These are things, they are not of the Bible. As I said, some Christians got very offended. and said, Mo, you, you take the, 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 the thing from the children, what do you call it again, you know? There's certain flair, you know? I, I don't know what to do with an idea. You know, it is, there's some Christmas thing. What is it? Yeah, mystery or whatever, you know? I've got no understanding of that. My mother never, ever taught me about these things. Or fairy tales. That's what it is. Fairy tales. I never heard of my mother any fairy tales. But I heard plenty of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't tell your children fairy tales. It is garbage. It has nothing to do with the Bible. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Now, they were together there in the upper room. And Paul was preaching and teaching. Now, there's a saying amongst pastors, and you understand that very quickly. If a preacher doesn't hit gold within 10 minutes, he should stop boring. You know what it means? If you don't come to the gospel in the first 10 minutes, all you say is garbage. Forget about Paul, he came and he struck gold right then when he started to preach. Because they had a supper there. The breaking of the bread. And oh boy, could Paul speak about the supper. Hallelujah. And he said once to the Galatians, I spoke to you or I presented Jesus Christ before you as if he was, as if he was crucified before your eyes. He could speak very vividly about Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for us. Now I could have mentioned it was the same thing. They came over there to Troas and they had this supper or breaking of the bread. And this was a special night. Paul was preaching and preaching, and there was a young man, and this young man, he was sitting at the windowsill, you know, and he listened, and Paul was preaching and preaching and preaching. Not that Paul was boring, no, no. Every word he was preaching was vivid, was alive, was given by the Holy Spirit. And this young man, he got tired. Perhaps working the whole day. Remember, 
the Sunday then was not a holiday as we have it now. They were working then because they lived in a place where the heathen were. And he might have been very tired. And it says that there were many, many lights. Now, as I could understand, these lights were not LED lights. They were flames. They were, there was a fire. And that fire might have got, gotten the whole place warm. Imagine you would have instead light in your house everywhere. An oil lamp. And there were plenty of oil lamps. It got hot there. And perhaps this young man, he was tired too. Worked the whole day, came into the warm place. And he fell asleep. He was sitting at the window. Now, I must tell you what. A window silt seat is very, very dangerous. Listen to this. A rich man bought himself a canarian. You all know what a canarian is, yeah? It's a bird and he is able to sing wonderful songs. And so he took this bird in his cage and placed him at an open window. He had nice fresh air and all the sparrows from neighborhood and the Indian miners came and were talking to him. And this canarian, all of a sudden, he lost his song. He was chirping like the sparrows, chirping like the Indian miners who are around, because he heard what they were doing, and he thought, I must do the same thing. So he was sitting at the windowsill, and it became in our household for my two boys and sons are saying, when I realized their spiritual life and their language changed and adopted the language of unborn again Christians or about boys from the school. And I said, have you been sitting at the window lately for a long time? And they knew exactly, exactly what I meant. Because they adopted the language of the world. And that's so important that we don't do it. This place was a dangerous place. And everyone who's here, young people as elderly people as well, don't sit at a window and listen to the things which are out there and fill your mind with these things which are out there. Fill your mind with Jesus Christ and the word of God. Hallelujah. I said to my dear sister from Israel, I'm learning and trying to learn. It's hard, it's hard. The ironic blessings in Hebrew to learn. Oh boy, it is hard. But I want to learn. I want to fill my mind, my brain with the word of God. And even if it has to be in Hebrew. Amen. One day I might perhaps able to say it, but now I don't dare. 
or dear sister coming fresh from, from Israel, she would say, stop, 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 that's wrong. That's wrong. It doesn't go that way. Because she knows it better. Do you know it? No? Okay. But very interesting. And we see here, this Eutychus, he fell off the window's sill. It was a blessing meeting. They spoke about what Jesus did for them. And Paul was full of fire. He couldn't stop. I tell you what. If some preacher has struck gold, I could listen to him for hours and hours and hours. Amen? But if you haven't struck gold in the first ten minutes, every second is boring. Paul has struck gold. He preached about Jesus. And it took up to midnight. And this young man, he fell off the windowsill. And he was sitting, lying down there, dead, the Bible says. Now, what did Paul do? What did Paul do? He didn't say, oh, well, it's just another case, you know. No, he went down. And he threw himself upon the boy. And he was praying, certainly. He was doing what Elisha or Elijah did. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 21. That's how you or how the man of God raised the dead. And that was this. Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and called the Lord and said, O oh Lord my God, I pray you, let the child's life return to him. And he was alive. He was alive. And the same Paul did, and we can read it here in verse 10. Then Paul went down and fell upon him, and after embracing him, he said, Do not be troubled, for his life is in him. Hallelujah. There was a resurrection meeting full of joy. Although it seemed to be a very thing a turn to the worst, if somebody would have died in our meeting. Everybody was perhaps very sad. But Paul went down, and that's how you do with people who fell. That's how you do with people who fell. You go down and embrace them. You embrace them. Don't reject them. You might know somebody perhaps who fell away from the Lord Jesus, fell down the windowsill, and spiritually dead. What you do? Oh, well, he was not genuine in the first place, so there's nothing we can do. Go down, embrace him. Go down, embrace him. And that's what he did. And the Bible says very clearly also in Galatians chapter 6, Verse 1 and 10. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in trespass, you who are spiritual, 
What are you doing? What are you doing? You who are spiritual. There's somebody falling down. And he fell into sin. And perhaps he has no faith in Jesus anymore. What would you do? You who are spiritual, restore such a one as in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself that, so that you too will not be tempted. You know what Paul did here? He fell down. He was dead. He went down and he embraced him. Hallelujah. Have you ever embraced somebody who is perhaps no longer with the Lord? And he fell away. This is ministry, body ministry. Amen? Go and embrace him. Bear one another's burden and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. It is the law of Christ to help somebody who fell up again. Is that right? That's the law of Christ. And Christ has not set us free from this law. Christ said, I give you another law, and the law is what? That you love one another. Amen. You're right. He has not redeemed us from this law. He has given a new law, the love to love your brothers and sisters. It's if anyone has fallen because he was in a, in a dangerous situation and one day you heard, well, he is no longer with the Lord or she is no longer with the Lord. What do you do then? Go down to that place. Hug him. Embrace him and say, come on, brother. Do not worry. His life is still in him. And that's what Paul said to all the others. Because they were assuming he is dead. But Paul came to the spot there. He was there. And he said, he is not dead. Don't worry. Paul did not allow any commotion about this, did he? No. And he embraced him. And we read verse 10. And after embracing him, he said, do not be troubled, for his life is in him. Hallelujah. Do not publicize the fall of any person. If you hear somebody fell in the church, fell into sin, do not publicize it. Have you heard about this and this? That and that brother, this and this sister? That is publicizing we should not do. What did Paul say here? Paul said, and after embracing him, he said, do not trouble, do not publicize it. For his life is in him. Hallelujah. That's the wonderful working of the Holy Spirit in this meeting. You understand it? 
Have we learned something this morning? Don't sit close to the window. Don't adapt the language of the world. Don't adapt the thinking of the world. Stay in the meeting where the Spirit of God is moving. Hallelujah. And I looked a little bit deeper in it. Very, very interesting. What happened? Paul sent a group of other people. There were seven men. And all these Greek names, you can read it and learn them by heart. They went ahead. And what do we read from Paul? Why didn't he go with them on the boat? Why? Could you, could you imagine? He had such a wonderful blessing, such a wonderful miracle. Pastor Gary, how many debt did you raise in your ministry? <laughs> you lost count. Yeah. Now what were I saying? Paul didn't go with them. He took this trip by foot. Why? Why? Certainly, the awe of God and the Spirit of God was on him. And he didn't want to mix with anyone and talk about anything. He needed perhaps time for himself and the Lord. Could it be? Could it be? When you ever met the Lord in a special way, and the Lord was able to use you, often you will see. And Jesus also did it. He went up to the mountain. Yes? He went up to the mountain and spent time with the Father. That's what Paul did. And he was a blessing for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word. I thank the Lord Jesus that you used Paul in such a wonderful way. And the gospel came to us, Lord Jesus. I thank you for the miracles you did in his life, Lord Jesus. And through him and through the hands of the apostles, you did great things. Blessed be your wonderful name, Lord. And let us also learn, Lord Jesus, if somebody fell, that we might embrace him or her and encourage them and life might come into them. I thank you in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.